Hello and welcome to another Bunker Daily with me, Andrew Harrison. We live in a selfish world. Everything will be so much better if voters weren't so wedded to their own self-interest and selfishness is overwhelmingly dangerous to stability and prosperity. These things are obvious if you're anywhere on the progressive spectrum from the centre-left to the full-on socialist. But progressives are constantly perplexed that marginalised people and the working classes insist on voting against what is, on paper, their own self-interest, electing conservatives, privatisers and wealthy leaders over and over again. And meanwhile, the self-same progressives often support policies that benefit younger, wealthier, more educated people like themselves, from free tuition fees to diversity policies to internationalism and public sector investment. So what is self-interest really? Do we really understand it in others and in ourselves? Thomas Prosser is a reader in European social policy at Cardiff University, and he's just published What's In It For Me? Self-Interest in Political Difference, in which he asks why we hold the political views we do and whether, by better understanding self-interest, we can harness it and use it. Hello, Thomas. How are you doing? Hi. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I hope your listeners are well at this difficult time. Yes. Well, I think we called the podcast The Bunker and then found that literally the entire country was locked in a bunker. So it's kind of all our fault in a lot of ways. We were acting in our own self-interest. It's a very enjoyable and uh, an admirably non-hysterical book. At one point you called victimization of minorities disagreeable, which is absolutely right. It is disagreeable. And you ask straight up questions like, are conservative bastards? And is social democracy finished? You've got to catch people's eyes with the chapter head uh, headings. That's what my publisher says anyway. <laughs> so for a lot of listeners, self-interest is is the original sin of Thatcherite politics and Peter Mandelson's famous quote about being very relaxed about people making a lot of money as long as they pay their taxes only compounded it. What made you want to write about self-interest and and go deeper into it than perhaps those surface ideas? Well, I think it's a really interesting topic um, because uh, all human beings are self-interested. We tend to be self-interested. Of course, there's more to it than that. But 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 the tendency is um, also for for us to be self interested, um, and I, I thought it it would be really interesting to look at how this comes through in our politics. Um, I I've been very interested, and I've written a lot about uh, the Brexit divisions and the culture war uh, over the last four or five years. Um, and I, I think self-interest is a really interesting way to look at this topic, But because if you you approach political division with the the mindset that, that we're all um, self-interested, it, it really helps take the sting out of politics. If you reflect on your own self-interest, you become more reflective, you, you become more humble. If you reflect upon the self-interest of opponents, you really recognise the humanity in them. And I, I think that conservatives are obviously very good at, at uh, acknowledging self-interest. Uh, that, that's not a surprise to anyone. But, but I'm not sure that the progressives are so good at this. Um, and what I argue in the book is that self-interest is inherent to progressive positions. Um, of course, Progressives are also altruistic. Um, all humans are, are a combination of self-interested and altruistic. Um, but but there's still self-interest in in progressive positions, and if people acknowledge that, I think our our political culture would be more civilized. You just mentioned Brexit, and Brexit is the is the test case, uh, and the one that is yeah. very very alive, certainly on a on a on a, a kind of a remainery podcast like ours. It was it was the test case with the majority voting against what on paper was there 
economic self-interest uh, and it wasn't just poor and marginalized people whose jobs would be threatened by this but also you know wealthy conservatives i mean what what did the brexit episode teach us about what self-interest actually is well i i think on the one hand it, it's very important to acknowledge that, that self-interest is not just about economics uh there are cultural aspects to it um i was actually uh, a, 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 a remain campaigner in wales um during this 2016 campaign um and the mistake we made was we went on about economics the whole time you, 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 culturally conservative views they they provide things like stability and certainty in a globalised world. The very interesting thing is that low income uh, and education voters across the world um, are often culturally conservative and those values really provide fixed reference points. So you you, you can um, say on on the one hand that Brexit was in the self-interest of poorer, less educated voters in Britain from that point of view. You can also think about it from a a different point of view. There's a very interesting concept in the literature called values rationality. What this theory concerns is is that although um, certain certain values, uh, it it concerns that certain values might might be in the broad interest of, of certain groups. So you could argue that leaving the European Union is, is in the wider interest of, of low-income uh, d- demographics and, and poorly educated demographics, um, and but that um, according to the, the, the logic uh, of, of the values, they're willing um, to endure short-term uh, pain in, in pursuit of that. But of course, it, it's a very difficult topic. As I, as I just said, uh, I was a Remain campaigner um, and, and I was, was bemused um, by, by many of the attitudes I encountered. Um, it's also worth um, remembering that, that there is survey evidence which showed that um, poorly voters were more worried about a no-deal outcome than, than richer leave voters. So, so th- th- there was such an effect. Um, but, but, but of course, there were multiple influences on, on this process. And as I said, um, self-interest is not, is not solely economic. It's also kind of a, a double-edged sword in, in the in the ongoing, the, the broadest political debate, which now with the advent of social media, we're probably in, in a longer and more continual and wider political debate than, than we ever really have been. And there has to be an assumption everywhere that the people on the other side are operating from the worst motivation, and that worst motivation is always self-interest. So, so leavers have to be racist and thick, and remainers have to be complacent middle-class people, you know, who all shop from Waitrose and have it delivered to their home in the door doing. This, this idea that my own self-interests are pure, but the other sides are always base and always suspect. Yeah. I, I think that's a real shame. This was one of the reasons I wanted to write this, this book. I think we're all human, um, uh, you know, and, and humans, um, their, their interests are, are mixed. On the one hand, uh, we, we can obviously be selfish and self-interested. We, 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 we can be um, altruistic, though, as well. And I think what I try and do in in the book is I, I try and show that mix of our characters. I, I think that, that both positions are legitimate uh, and are broadly consistent with the self-interest 
of those who voted for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah of, of course. Yeah, you know the, the stereotypes about Romanians um, being being elitists um, are are ridiculous, and then chopping at waitress and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, a and. and Openness associated with with European integration is associated with with the self interest of of liberals. Um, things like freedom of movement allow them to maximise returns on labour markets. Um, liberals are very relaxed about cultural openness, whereas uh, with 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 leavers, it, it's the, the the opposite. There, there's a greater desire for for certainty in 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 a, in a changing changing world. Uh, and you know, I don't agree with the leave position, but I, I think it's a legitimate position um, for for such people to take. Uh, you do mention in the book that uh, your own mother-in-law is uh, yeah. a, Pol- a small farmer in Poland, and she's yeah. a big fan of Poland's Law and Justice Party and Donald Trump. So you must have interesting conversations on the family Zoom over Christmas. Oh yeah, well, so sorry, she's not a, a supporter of Trump. Ah, she, she doesn't admire it. Yeah, I, I think it, it's fair to say. Um, f- first of all, I, I love my mother-in-law dearly, um, <laughs> and I, I did get permission to write about her in, in, in the book. I, I think it's fair to say if, if she was in the if she were in the US, she would be a Trump fan. But she's yeah. she's not in the US. She left school at at, at at a very young age. She lives in 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 the countryside. She's she's also older. Um, and and yeah, um, and uh, and you know, she doesn't speak any English. Obviously, I speak Polish. And um, the the it's it's fascinating going there, but because what you notice is the sort of mix of Catholic and nationalistic value it satisfies the needs of of such groups, um, and and peace are are very redistributive as well. Um, they're, they're one of the most redistributive parties in 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 Europe. Um, so and it, it, it's extremely interesting when when I go there just to immerse um, myself in. The, the the sort of the world of the of the Polish countryside. We go to the church and everything, and and I, what what I would say is I I certainly don't agree with, mm. with uh, Jaroslaw Kaczynski. I think he's nuts. Um, you, you know, and they they really they really are a very ugly party piece. They're, they're much uglier. Well, maybe not much uglier, but uglier than than UKIP or the Brexit party. In 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 my opinion, I I think the key thing is I don't think that that such Culturally conservative attitudes are pathological. Lots of liberals think that such attitudes are pathological. I think they're legitimate. Um, I don't agree with them, but but I, I, I think they're legitimate. Well, one of the interesting things in the chapter on national populism with the, as you say, provocative title, Are Brexiters Stupid? And of course, you don't go on to say that they are. You go into it a lot deeper than that. But you do identify a strong strain of altruism in national populists for things like help for heroes. I think you say something along the lines of liberal altruism tends to be obviously in the in the service of liberal causes, but national populist altruism is associated with values such as patriotism. Have middle-class liberals like me, have we, have we missed a trick in identifying that strain of altruism within populism and finding a way to kind of channel it, turn it in a positive direction rather than the, you know, the we look after our own sort of insular idea of, of altruism? 
Well, I think Help Heroes is a very good example. You, you know, it, it's all, I, I, all as, as are all charitable causes, where pretty much every charitable cause is, is admirable. But, but obviously, people tend to pick causes which, which are closer to, to, their, to their own hearts. And in, mm. in low-income education communities, um, it, it's things like helping injured soldiers. And of course, it, it's admirable. But, but I think that... There, there is a bit of a tendency in in liberal circles to you know just smile and dismiss such such charity and altruism. Um, yeah, and, and I, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's unfortunate, but but I guess you you know we all champion if if if, if you like causes which are close to our hearts. You can't be too crude about this. Um, you, you know, there are many liberals or many conservatives. There are rich conservatives who give to homeless charities. There are poor liberals or rich liberals or, or, or whatever who give to, who help the homeless or help the, the blind or whatever. So it's certainly not, not a direct link. There's a very interesting study, actually, by um, two academics, Chris Prosser and John Mellon. Um, with, Chris with, Prosser? Hang on a minute. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's actually he's actually no relation. Um, oddly <laughs> enough, I I do actually work with him. I include their study in my book, but because it it, it really shows you you know the, the the sort of how how murky this topic is. What what they find is that actually liberals, uh, whether they're rich or poor, tend to favour uh, redistribution of wealth. Now, for for cultural conservatives, so national populace or whatever, um, it, it's more complicated. That depends on whether uh, they're rich or poor themselves. So for poorer national populace or Brexit supporters, they might um, support redistribution um, but because there's something in it for them. But richer national populists uh, like Farage or Rhys Mogg tend not to um, because, well, they they. they then to, to to think in more um, egotistical terms, whereas for liberals, um, it, it it's different. Uh, there, there is support for redistribution across the across income decile. So that that merely shows how complicated this all is. I mean, I I think it's very important to look at this from all sides of the the, the picture. I I think that people's in interest are are, are mixed, um, and I it it's really. It, it it's really unfortunate in over the last five years that, that our political culture has developed in a way where we we're very crude about the motivations of others. Um, it, it's not healthy. Well, just finally, before uh, we wrap up, the pandemic has kind of upended ideas of of what your actual self interest is. You know, being crude about it, a big pay packet and a, and a loft in the middle of a major city is suddenly a lot less important than a stable NHS or a, a, a functioning community. Do you think that, I mean, we over the past year, we've heard endless talk about, is this going to be a 1926? Is this going to be a 1945? Is it going to change the political culture of the country? Do you think it will change our idea of what self-interest is and how it motivates our politics? Um, I, I finished writing this book right when the pandemic hit. And I, I, I confess um, that, that I, I haven't, I didn't really write the book with this issue in mind. I think also politics associated with, with COVID-19 have, have, has, has really been all a bit about, well, not all about, but, but the, 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 the politics has been quite 
quite technocratic um, situations of how you manage things um, best. Obviously, um, the, the politics of competence has become more and more, more, more important. And Boris Johnson, um, well, uh, I, I, I think as, as you, you, you'll appreciate, uh, it doesn't seem to be particularly adept. Yeah. But but anyway, I I I, I so, so I think that the, the links with um self interest are are less obvious. Um, what has interested me though are the different attitudes of of different voters of low education voters and high education voters. Uh, I think I'm right in saying uh, I I need to check it with with data, but I think I'm right in saying low education voters show less support. Or the lockdown measures and higher education voters show great support, and I, I, I'm not. Yeah, but, but I would have thought that um, low, low education voters are equally exposed to the dangers of contracting COVID COVID nineteen. Although on the other hand, I'm kind of thinking out loud here. It may be that they they need to get back to work uh, more more quickly. It's it's complicated. It, it's all complicated. I mean, I, but I do try and get to the bottom of this. Uh, this fascinating topic in my book. Well, the standout line for me was awareness of self-interest uh, makes us more tolerant. Uh, uh, there's a lot to chew on in that, I think, that the the idea that maybe the person you're having a massive row with on Twitter <laughs> might not be evil incarnate. It's a radical thought. Thomas Prosser, thanks for joining us in the bunker. It's been good, great talking to you. My, my pleasure. Thanks so much. What's in it for me? Self-interest and political difference is published on Tuesday, 12th of January by Manchester University Press. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Bunker. I'm doing a lot of them this week, so you may be sick of the sound of my voice. Sorry about that. But don't forget to subscribe and some of the other regulars will be along soon. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. The Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Andrew Harrison. The assistant producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofronievich. Audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.